welcome to the United Nations of Horror, an international podcast about all things horror. I'm Mike Anarino from Chicago, Illinois, joined by... Becky in the UK. Uh, Mark from the UK. And Matt from the UK. Hello, everybody. Our main discussion today is going to be about the 1985 Lamberto Bava cult classic Demons, which I'm very excited to talk about. I think we all are. It's a movie yeah. I really like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But before we get into that, we've got our What We've Been Watching section. That's a bunch of shit, baby. And uh, I'll start that off with you, Becky. Uh, I think you saw a movie called All Hallows Eve. Yes, I did. Um, it came out in 2013, and it's an anthology um, horror film. There's three separate segments, and they're kind of framed by one story. And it's a really decent premise. Um, after a night of trick-or-treating, two children find um, an unmarked VHS tape in one of their bags and they decide to watch the video which is quite strange their babysitter just lets them put it on and um like i say it contains three stories which are all linked by a really creepy clown and the first one is a kind of demonic um satanic cult little story um the second one is something to do with aliens and the third one um is just a kind of brutal kind of slasher and they're all quite brutal and these children are watching them it's really strange that bit was quite unbelievable um you know there's even a rape scene in it at once at one point and i just couldn't see that the babysitter letting them do that but anyway it's all tied together really nicely at the end um and the stories merge uh with the actual framing story and it goes a little bit too far, but, you know, you can tell it's low budget. It's the directorial debut of um, somebody called Damien Leone. Um, and I thought it was, it had a lot of potential. And there is a sequel that um, I think is going um, onto VOD in February. So I'll be interested to catch that. So low budget, not brilliant, but there's a lot there to kind of, um, to the director's credit. Cool, sounds that sounds good. very interesting, yeah. yeah. If you're talking about VHS and the other one, ABC's of Death, I definitely preferred this one. Oh, okay, really? Yeah, I know. I'm not a big fan of some of those movies, and I do love horror anthologies, so. Yeah, so I, I definitely give this one a watch. It just ties everything together really nicely, even though it does go a little bit too far. But yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of anth- anthologies. I, st- I, th- I hold that Creepshow is the best one, but uh, I'm kind of, of I, I do like anthologies. I'm kind of I think I got Waxwork to watch soon so I'm, which i think you talked about mike didn't you that was an anthology oh well uh, yeah i wouldn't really say it's an anthology oh okay but it kind of is in a way it, it's hard to explain but i wouldn't argue that it isn't an anthology but yeah I, it's hard to explain cool very good though uh becky was that one on netflix or anything no i'm actually reviewing the second one for wicked horror Cool. Um, so that's how I ended up catching this one. But um, no, it's not on Netflix. Well, up next, I know, Mark, you saw a movie that I just discovered recently, but I'm a huge, I actually fell in love with it, and that's uh, Motel Hell. Yeah, I do remember you talking about it uh, f- several episodes back, and I thought I'd seen it. But uh, I thought, I want to watch that again. Uh, so I put it on my rental, I rent, believe it or not, you know, uh, through the post. Uh, I put it on my rental list and it, it came through, uh, which is cool. I started watching it, realised I hadn't seen it. I had it confused with another film called Tourist Trap. 
So this was a first watch for me, and I rather enjoyed it. It was um, it was kind of it was a lot of fun. The central act performances by like this uh, brother and sister. I I wouldn't say elderly, but older people, brother and sister, uh, was were very good. It was actually the the sister was actually if I, if I, I think it was like. Uh, someone who was in Porky's, the uh, the Porky's film, who was like the gym mistress who demanded that uh, they do a, a sort of um, identity parade showing students' penises so she could recognise one she'd seen. Uh, if that rings any bells with anyone. <laughs> she was the sister in this. And they were very good. There was also another younger female uh, lead in this who, who really wasn't a great actress. However, the script was really clever and witty and fun. Uh, there were some really nice touches. There was it was some really goofy moments. There was, for example, there's a bit where um, they encounter some swingers who come stay at this uh, sort of motel, uh, and they walk in on them and they're doing really weird things. These swingers is like the guy's wearing an orange vest, like a wife beater vest and a tutu, if I remember rightly, while the woman's pouring baby oil, boy, baby oil over him over his vest, <laughs> which is bizarre. And and the sister says, "Oh, you look good enough to eat." which is kind of fun, once you know what the film's about. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, it kind of reminded me a bit of Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, it was that kind of fun, sort of light vibe. But it also had some really disturbing stuff. There was people in it who had had their like, vocal cords taken out, and they made this really weird kind of <laughs> noise when they moved. It was kind of really a bit weird, odd, and it was a bit disconcerting, but overall, I really liked it. Very decent film. Yeah, that movie, that, that's a lot of fun. I, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it myself watching it. Yeah, and like I say, actually, you know, I, I said I confused it with Tourist Trap. Tourist Trap has a similar kind of vibe, but I haven't seen that in many years. I just remember, I think it's got a similar kind of vibe, uh, but I think Motel's a little better. Okay. So I still need to check out yeah, I gotta check out a tourist trap as well. Mm. Well, up next is a movie that I totally just discovered by accident while I was, because well, I was too lazy to one night to come downstairs and put demons into the Blu-ray. I wanted to stay in my bed, so I looked it up <laughs> on YouTube. Ended up getting totally distracted by this little thumbnail of a movie I saw on the side. It was just this weird-looking face, and it was this movie called Screamers. So I watched it, and I'm really happy that I did. It's this movie from 1995 written by Dan O'Bannon, and it, apparently it's actually based on a Philip K. Dick short story called Second Variety. I don't know if anybody here has read that. No. 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 Well, the movie is about – I thought it was going to be some type of monster movie, but it's actually like a science fiction movie. It's It takes place on a planet called Sirius 6B in the year like 2078. And it's this distant mining planet, and it's ravaged by uh, over a decade of war. And scientists have created these, like, what they call the perfect weapon. And it's this thing. There are these things called screamers. They're these weird robots with, like, blade faces that kind of scurry around in the ground and pop out and kill people. And it's basically just about these two warring factions trying to... Uh, form an alliance uh, while they just keep getting everything just starts to run rampant with these screamers that are attacking people every chance they get and then it turns into almost I don't want to go it's hard to I, I just want to describe the setup because it does take some twists and turns that I found cool on, the, the longer it goes on 
So that's all I'll really say about it. But I was really surprised about how much I like this movie. It has all the window dressing of a generic, cheesy 90s sci-fi movie from the look to the music and everything. But I really found myself getting caught up in the story as it moved along. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was kind of tense. Peter Weller is the main character. He gives a great performance. He gives a really good performance considering the type of movie it is. It's really impressive. Uh, I found the, I really found it to be a hidden gem. I, I liked it a lot. Um, I've never seen a film uh, a performance by Peter Weller I didn't like, actually. Uh, he's good in everything. He's in that weird rat one. He's in a lot of um, sort of B-grade sci-fi and horror actually isn't he is that one about the rat uh on the of unknown origin uh oh yeah of unknown origin yeah so i think i might try and catch this i'm gonna put it on my rental list i think i'd recommend it it's a fun little watch and i think matt didn't you say you had seen this yeah i when i saw the um the film poster on uh, on the facebook feed i it definitely i definitely remembered it um so yeah and I, I do remember enjoying it although i didn't remember much about it other than these things popping out of the sand um but yeah i remember i remember thinking it was a lot of fun and uh, yeah you can't really go wrong with uh, peter weller can you exactly it's a weird little movie it's but i'm, I'm really happy i kind of came across it i don't think it's some kind yeah, of yeah. glowing classic but i've really really enjoyed it and it's like the more i think about it the more i just really really dug it i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it again definitely worth a rewatch i reckon okay and speaking yeah. of which matt i know you, I think this past week you read Attack on Titan. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I and I watched the the anime as well. So um, yeah, I've I've uh, I've been sort of I'm fairly new to it. Um, I, I can't remember what got me onto it, but um, yeah, I remember I bought the the volume one of the manga um, not so long ago, um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. So I thought I'd uh, I'd give the anime TV series a go as well. So I watched uh, season one. As well, which is uh, on Netflix UK at the moment, which is pretty cool. So uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. The I, I'm going to have a go at saying the Japanese title because it's kind of fun. Uh, it's uh, Shingeki no Koijin. I'll take which your word for it. Apparently means advancing <laughs> giants. So it's kind of more literal uh, name than the uh, uh, the English name Attack on Titan. Um, I've I've seen the anime and I um, I I. Still can't figure out the title, to be honest. <laughs> Attack on Titans, a weird name for this, really, because surely it should be Attack on Titans. Uh, but I, I've watched this. In fact, we covered it on our podcast um, over about five or six podcasts, actually, for, for the series one. Uh, uh, and it was it's kind of a very downbeat, isn't it, Mark, uh, Matt? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's quite depressing. Yeah, there's a lot of shouting but, as well. But um, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> is it worth um, those people who don't actually know what what it's about? It's um, it's actually about um, the the last um, few humans left on the world um, living inside these these cities with large walls, um, and they're basically there to defend against these these giants, these titans who um, who basically like to eat humans. Um, so that's that's kind of the the gist of the story, and there's these these kind of teams of um, teams of uh, people who um, they all have different roles, and and some of them it's their job to kind of attack these titans to try and kill them. Yeah, um, and they've got so they got this these... cool key where they kind of not fly, but they 
They got like yeah, um, it's like a bit like Batman's kind mm. of grapple, isn't it? Yeah, um, they use those to fight the because there's a weak point on the giants, isn't there? That they yeah, can that's right. Yeah, the back of their neck, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of liked it too. Um, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed both the manga and the anime. I would say if you're at all interested, I would check out the manga first and then and then do the anime. Um, because you'll probably get through the anime a lot quicker. So yeah, yeah, give it a, give it a go if you like. I mean, I'm not a massive anime manga fan. I'm I'm more of a casual fan, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the only thing I would say is that it's it does that fairly typical anime thing where all the characters are, are really quite cliched and they're all they all get like really emotional and scream and shout a lot. But there's um, a lot of shouting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean that's 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 kind of that's the yeah. style, isn't it? It's so. kind of fun. It's it's not quite entry level anime, is it? It's kind of it's not the gateway drug into anime, I don't think. No. Uh, but it's close. It's, there are slightly softer animes. I'm not a big anime person, but you know, things like I don't know uh, I don't know, Cowboy Bebop maybe or Gurren Lagan or something like that might be a, a good entry point. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen you know, all the kind of classics, but I'm I'm you know like um, Vampire Hunter D and Akira and Fist of the North Star, those kind of things. Um, but not the I haven't seen much of the more recent stuff. So this was my first foray back into sort of more current ang- uh, manga and anime. So cool. Yeah, give it a go. And that's on um, Netflix UK. Uh, the first season is on the UK Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I'll check that out. Yeah, it's been on there for some time, I think, because I, I think yeah. I watched it, and it must be over a year ago when I yeah. watched it. Yeah. Well, now I've watched that, Netflix is recommending loads of other yeah. um, anime to me now, so um, yeah. I've started watching a bunch of Death Note as well, um, which is quite good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the, that manga. I haven't watched the entirety of this show, but I, I absolutely loved what I read of the comics. And actually, speaking of comics, I know, Mark, you read a Batman book, I believe. I did, yeah. This was, I think this was one Matt mentioned. Someone posted yeah. it on Facebook, uh, and I thought, that sounds like my cup of tea, because it's Batman and Lovecraft, and I love Lovecraft. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm you know, a big fan of Batman. Batman's my favourite um, sort of a comic book character probably after judge dread but um yeah so this was i found this quite interesting it's got an interesting cover for a start i'm looking at it right now batman's holding a gun on the cover now batman never carries a gun does he so it was interesting <laughs> and when i got into it it's like a para it's like an alternative universe kind of batman set it's in a very different, different time isn't period. it it's very different yeah and and people die that you know haven't died in the batman universe that we we, we all know of. but you know there's like a penguin and a uh, Harvey Dent, uh, but there's a, a Lovecraftian twist about all of it. I it's mean, kind of, is it like Vic, is it Victorian times or? I think it's probably more Edwardian. It's, kind of, it's, it's not like, per- tens yeah, or twenties. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So everything's got a very different feel to what we're used yeah, to. Yeah, and there's there's like quite direct references to uh, Mountains of Madness. Uh, Russell, yeah. uh, Russell. Ghoul is it's not quite Herbert West kind of reanimated, but Rachel Ghoul's you know Lazarus Pit kind of stuff ties in to the sort of Lovecraftian vibe. Uh, and when you think about it, a lot of Batman, kind of tie could tie into that vibe. For example, you know we all know there's Arkham Asylum is is the sort of the booby hatch for Gotham City. So an Arkham is you know a, a title well long associated with Lovecraft. Uh, I kind of enjoyed it. It wasn't at all what I expected. 
I expected it to be Lovecraft with Bat- the Batman I know, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, and the artwork work was very nice too. So uh, I was just amazed. When people started dying, I didn't expect to die. It kind of did take <laughs> me back, take me by surprise. But uh, uh, I enjoyed it, yes. It's um, it's by, uh, what's his name? Is it Frank Mignola or something? Mino- the, basically the guy who does Mike Mi- the... Mignola. Mike Mignola. That's it, yeah. Does the Hellboy. Hellboy. Um, yeah. yeah, he's more it's, famous oh, for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think yeah. he's done a few different Batmans, actually. Uh, but I could, couldn't elaborate on that. Yeah. And the vibe of it also reminded me a bit of Jonah Hex, yeah, for some reason. It kind of reminded me of that kind of stuff. I'm not a big comic book reader, but I've read a few, you know. Particularly in the DC. I'm more a DC guy than Marvel. Um, uh, and it reminded me a bit of Jonah Hex as well. Certainly the rebooted Jonah Hex. Very cool. Very cool. That's another Batman book I have to put on on the stack of Batman books I need to read because there's so many of them. <laughs> I mean, that just goes on the comic stack, yep. of, which is already huge. But now the Batman it has its own stack. I'm not surprised. Shit, yeah. There's so many different stories. Mm. So many. And now, Becky, I know you saw, I believe this is a movie called I'm going to try to say... You know, I'm going to let you say the title. What was it called? <laughs> uh, Profundo Rosso, or Deep Red. Okay. Um, basically, for the show this week, I have an Argento... I have a couple of Argento box sets, but one of them um, collects Demons 1 and 2, um, and it also has on it a lot of other films actually directed by Argento, because obviously he produced Demons um, and wrote it as well, I believe. Um mm-hmm. So I just had the box out and I couldn't resist um, having a bit of a rewatch. Um, have you? I'm guessing you've all seen this. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I've it's, seen it. It's brilliant. Nope. Yeah. Really nice twist. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Mike, you should definitely check this one out. It's, um, I'll have to. Yeah, I mean, it's widely regarded as kind of the Jello film to watch. So it seems to be many people's favourites. But you know, it's got everything. It's got the black gloves, the you know, silhouetted figure. Um, a fantastic goblin school that kind of centers around, I think it's called a doggerel tune, um, that kind of haunting child's melody that ties in with the narrative. Um, and it's just based around a musician in um, Rome who witnesses a murder and just becomes kind of um, caught up in, in the plot. And as usual, it's got, like Mark said, a, a cracking twist at the end that you actually see at the beginning, which I've referred to before um, about uh, Jolly, which I just find amazing. And it's very nightmarish. Um, it's quite Hitchcockian. It's probably the most Hitchcockian out of all of Argento's um, Jalo films, I would say. Yes, I think it is. Uh, it is. I think it's probably my favourite of those old school Jalos. Actually, uh, I kind of like Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is kind of similar. That's in, my favourite. I must admit. Um, yeah. But this is one of my favourite. Uh, the thing is, I always—I'm never quite sure what's GL and what's horror. You know, I'm, I'm uh, for, for some films uh, like Suspiria. Some, I yeah, that isn't really well, GL, is it? That's, no, I class that as his supernatural. I kind of separate them into supernatural texts and um, and jelly. Yeah. But but are, horror, it's quite an entertaining jelly. genre when you watch it, though. They're, it's kind of goofy and weird and very seventies. Some yeah. of them, very 70s. The yeah, early completely. ones, anyway, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's like my one of my favourite subgenres, if not the mm. favourite subgenre for me. Um, and of course, Dario Nicolodi is in it, who is Dario's ex-partner and the mother of um, Asia Argento. And she's brilliant in it. I really, really enjoy her performance. Yeah, I, I think this is a great film. David Hemmings was really good in it, too. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I can't remember, is it in English or Italian? It's in Italian, isn't it? No, this one's in no. English. 
I, I the think version I've seen I watched the had some Italian in it. I don't know if I watched like some kind of director's cut extended version, which had some extra scenes put back in. But my version kept switching between English and Italian. It was a bit strange. There is. Um, I know that there was a lot of cuts to the film, so potentially. But mm. I mean, unless they've dubbed it exceptionally well, it seemed to be in English. Yeah. Right. I think I saw a version that was on the US Netflix, and it was Italian. I'm sure it was. Oh, that's interesting. Mine's uh, the bizarre, um, Arrow Video uh, Blu-ray, so I, there, there could well be multiple versions on there. Yeah, I, I, I really think so, because I've had this um, box set years, um, yeah. and this is the only version I've seen. It's Goblin as well, is the music, isn't it? Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. That, that, you were talking about the, the dog rule, the musical frame. We keep coming circling around this, coming back to it, because I mentioned it on Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. And someone on Facebook mentioned that the first instance might actually be M, the German movie M. With Peter I think Lowry. it was Dan Stout. Dan Stout, yeah, yeah. Thanks for reminding me who it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he, he sort of suggested it was M, which I think he's right. I, th- I can't think of it an instance before. No, that. no, I can't either. Um, so a good but, catch there, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's quite an interesting kind of mm. side area to talk about, I think. Mm. I don't know um, whether this will come up later on when we're talking about demons, but the guy who did the um, the music for demons w- is part of or was part of Goblin. Um, yeah, um, so he, he was in, yes, yeah. So he yeah. was obviously involved in in Deep Red. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. And um, I think the in demons, the lady who takes the tickets as they're enter- yes. entering the theatre. I think yes. she's a little girl in Deep Red. Yes, she is. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. I was like, I'm sure I've seen her face before. And of course, Demons 2 has a sort of a childish element, uh, like dog roll in it, doesn't it? Oh, the thing is, I watched it yesterday, I can't remember now. Uh, that has a tiny bit of a, like a childish riff. Or am I dreaming? I think a lot of them I do. A lot remember. of Argentos. I uh, mean, yeah. uh, Non Sohono, uh, Sleepless, that's based around a children's book and that has a kind of sing song yeah. um, kind of quality yeah. to it. So I, th- I think a lot of his in particular do. Right. Cool. Good feel, uh, though. Deep yeah, I like yeah, to yeah, check yeah. this out. Yeah. Definitely, Mike, I would say really kind of bump that one up because I think you'll really enjoy it. Alrighty. Maybe I'll watch this during the. I, I may have some time during this upcoming week. Maybe I'll, I'll watch it and talk about it next week. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, to round out our what we've been watching, I'm going to talk about a film that just came out last night. And it is, it's uh, available on, uh, I think, all video rental services. And it is the American remake of Murders. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. I, I can't tell what you think. I have never seen the original Murders. I really don't know anything about it. And so watching this... I'm really worried to watch it because I know that it's going to be one of the original is going to be one of our upcoming episodes. I don't know if we have a date for it, but I know it's in it's on the list. And this sucks. This is not a good fucking movie. <laughs> oh dear. I, yeah, because it starts. Uh, well, the basic premise, I won't go into too many details, but you've got this little girl who escapes from these people who she says tortured her and she eventually gets put into this i guess it's an orphanage they kind of skim through that but she meets this girl anna and they become friends and then we move to 10 years later where lucy the girl who said she was tortured she supposedly has tracked down the people who have killed her and just blows him away just walks in there and kills him and then she calls lucy 
and they get there and everybody's freaking out. And although she thinks that she has killed her her past captors, that's really where the kind of horrors begin. And I got to say, I was like, for the first, no, maybe half of the movie, I was with it. I thought it took some really cool twists and turns. I actually thought it was kind of an interesting story. I liked the actresses in it. I thought the two leads, I thought they were... I had never seen either one of them before, and I thought they were both very good in this with what they were given. And there was a lot of really good shocking moments, but it's that second half where you really get where a lot of the more torture comes in, which, by the way, none of the violence in this is effective. Not, not a single frame of it. I found I, You're watching these 17-year-old girls getting tortured. I should be feeling unsettled, and I just wasn't. And it, in fact, I was bored by a lot of it. And once you get into all, all these kind of the, the people who were torturing them, it starts on you're like, oh, so this is just a ripoff of Hostel. Uh, then it's like, oh, no, this is what it's about. And you find out where the title Martyrs comes from. And I, it was just stupid. I This movie's lame. It's really, really lame. And it's dumb. And especially when when they wrap everything up at the ending, the ending the ending just left me with my head in my hands. Like Jesus Christ, can we just get this over with, please? It just brings in these really dumb overtones. I don't really don't want to go into huge detail about it. It's just first off, the, the basic premise to me at the beginning, even though I was liking it, didn't work because they come in there and they they kill these people who they say torture them, and then just kind of hang out at their house. They just kind of like chill out there and get just DNA and evidence everywhere. Like they may as well have just left their ID cards at the front door and put up a sign in front of the house that said, hey, we just murdered everybody in here. Just come on in. I mean, they just kill these people and just hang out at the fucking house. It just makes no – everybody in this movie just stupid. They're just dumb. That's all I have to say about it. I just, this, this so you didn't sucks. like her. No, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> oh, it's such a – you kind of watched it in such a – a strange way. I'm really worried now. What you're going to think of the original? So am I. I'm. I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to have to sit through just the same shit again. Uh, we got it programmed for two weeks' time. Just so you know. Yeah. That, that's in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. But at least this one will be fresh in your mind, so you'll be able to make a good comparison. I don't know. I might go have. I might go to the doctor and get a laser removed from. My <laughs> <laughs> but you you enjoyed it, didn't you, uh, Matt? The original. Yes, yes, I did. Uh, well, yeah. enjoy is maybe the wrong word. Well, but I appreciate maybe. I don't I know what the I found right it very, very interesting. Um, yeah. And, yeah, there's a lot to talk about in it, I, I think. I think so, too. That's it's, why it's I'm quite surprised if they... Yeah. Yeah, because if they use the same themes and can deliver the ending in a similar way... It does sound um, very similar, yeah. It does, yeah. <laughs> quite <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't seen it all the way through. Um, I had a bit of an unfortunate experience with French, uh, you know, modern French horror in that I saw High Tension, which is often touted as being an excellent film, and I, I just didn't like it. I thought it was stupid. Oh, I'm right uh, there with you. Uh, <laughs> but I did start watching Martyrs, but about 20 minutes in, I thought, I don't think this is for me, and I turned it off. <laughs> um, so that's as far as I got. But, I, you know, it keeps coming back, and I, I do intend to watch it at some point uh, and give it another go. Uh, but I just hope it isn't as goofy as High t- You know, I think the fact that no. the same kind of people were saying high tension is good as sorry, Mars is good has made me doubt that it's not really my genre. Yeah, sorry, not it's not even a genre, is it? My taste, it's not to my taste, as it were. That that sort of French horror, yeah, yeah. graphic horror. 
Right. Um, and I'm not, f- I'm fine with graphic horror when it works. Uh, but I found high tension just didn't work for me. It's just, well, you know, when you start thinking about it, you think this plot just does not work because that happened and that can't have happened because of this. And, you know, maybe I was overthinking it, but I just find high tension hard work. No, they're very, very different films. Oh, okay. and, right. and I think everybody, I mean, somebody, I think a critic said about um, high tension that you could drive a truck through the plot holes in it. Right. <laughs> like, okay. You could. I hadn't heard that, so I thought it was just me being pickier than I needed to be, but it just seemed ridiculous. But, um, yeah, so I'm willing to give it another go. But I'd watch the French one. I don't think I'd watch the American one. See, now I'm worried that when we do this Martyrs episode, I'm going to be the asshole again. It's the movie that everybody else likes. Uh, Well, I mean, you know, it's boring if we all agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, next up we have... Before we take our break, we're going to have another TV terror with Anthony Rotolo. This week, it's Harrison Ford in 1977's The Possessed. Well, hey, friends, this is Anthony back with more TV terror. Today, I'd like to tell you about a demonic possession film. This is rather interesting because just weeks before international stardom would strike, Harrison Ford appeared in a supporting role in NBC's The Possessed from 1977. That's right, it was just days before Star Wars would change his career and brand him as Han Solo forever that Ford appeared in a slow burn supernatural shocker that drew upon the demonic possession template set by the Exorcist a few years earlier. The headliner in the film was actually James Farentino. You may know him from The Longest Night and that wonderfully creepy film Dead and Buried. He plays Kevin Leahy, a defrocked minister who commits himself to fighting evil after a brush with death nearly damns his soul. His odd calling brings him to Salem's Helen Page School for Girls, where inexplicable fires have been occurring. Ellen Sumner, played by Claudette Nevins, you may know her from Star Trek Insurrection, plays a teacher at the school and the mother of Wheezy, one of its students. One night, while working at her desk, the page in her typewriter mysteriously catches fire. Shortly after that, Wheezy arrives at her dorm room late and sees her window curtains erupt in flame. The door she's just closed to the hallway won't budge, 
and she nearly perishes if not for the arrival of one of her classmates. At this point, the headmistress, Louise Gelson, played by Joanne Hackett of Dead of Night and the wonderful Reflections of Murder, assumes that the cause must be cigarette smoking. The girls are just smoking in the dorm, in her mind. But when the class president spontaneously combusts in front of the graduating class during a commencement rehearsal, there's no more denying that an unexplained phenomenon is at work. The police officer shows up. Sergeant Taplinger, played by Eugene Roche, arrives on the scene to investigate and is told by Ellen that the fires are supernatural in origin. But ever the rationalist, Taplinger is more interested in tracing the fires to naturalistic causes like faulty wiring. Leahy is on the scene, though, also, and he's conducting his own investigation by this time, following his nose for darker forces. While speaking with Wheezy, she all but confesses to him that she is having an affair with her biology teacher, Paul Wingem, played by Harrison Ford. The taboo romance is confirmed for us when Wheezy visits Wingem while he's alone in the classroom. Their romantic, playful banter turns sour, and as Wheezy storms out of the room, flames erupt on Wingem's jacket. His legs then combust, but a horrified Wheezy can't open the door to help him. Her screams draw the attention of Leahy, and by the time he arrives, it's too late. Wingem has been consumed in flame. Leahy surmises that Miss Gelson was also romantically involved with Wingem, revealing a love triangle, and also that someone at the girls' school has got the devil inside her, and this accounts for all the strange events. Now, I won't spoil who it is, but this film gives us a smart presentation of demonic possession that obviously owes much to The Exorcist without carbon copying it. Events transition us to a fiery finale in which the evil which is never fully explained, will be openly manifested and Leahy will make a final sacrificial stand. There's some great acting to be found here. In a bravura performance, Joan Hackett as the headmistress exudes a mix of repressed sensuality, grief, and insanity, reminding us of why she's an Oscar-nominated actress. The supporting cast is also superb. Look for P.J. Souls. You may know her from Stripes and Halloween. Diana Scarwood from Mommy Dearest and Psycho 3. And Anne Dusenberry. You may know her best from Jaws 2. Listen also for the chilling score by Leonard Rosenman, composer of films like Fantastic Voyage and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. This is an intriguing melding of the psychological and the demonic. Have you seen it? It's available from Warner Archives, which is the best way to catch it. That's 1977's The Possessed. Welcome back to the United Nations of Horror. 
Uh, I know I'm I'm really well first off thank you to Anthony for another great submission and I'm really really interested like this movie he just talked about the possessed it got this is one that's got bumped up to my top of the list now I I'm dying to watch this and I know Mark I think you have right I have seen it I have but it's we're talking about either early 80s or late 70s when I saw it so it was oh, kind okay. of soon when it came out however it left an impact I still remember it bits of it quite distinctly uh so it was obviously a pretty good tv film and i actually anthony talked about it in his you know rather wonderful facebook posts about tv terror he talked about it a few months ago and i i, I raised to him that uh, it's i said oh yeah that was an interesting pilot shame it didn't work out into a series uh, and he he said he'd researched heavily because he suspected it was a pilot, wasn't sure, but couldn't really? find any proof on it. But I managed to find some proof. It was in a a book about you know TV shows that were pilots that never got made into series kind of book. So that was kind of an indication it was a pilot rather than a one off. And James Farentino was the lead in it. Harrison Ford is well, he's not a main actor, but he, he he's, he's in a, a fair role, bit. Right? It's not that small a role, you know. It's oh. it, it, he's just not in it. Uh, he's not the main person at all. Is uh, is this defrocked priest that um, I'm not sure if he's defrocked actually, but he's a priest that kind has been sent back to by God to. To sort of nullify his own sins I think he tried to quit suicide I can't remember the details but there was a reason God kind of sent him back to sort of help people so he was kind of sent by God but he was tainted himself in some way he wasn't like a priest he was an ex-priest but he could exercise he, he was like a part part of an he was an exorcist as it were free roaming exorcist and he, he turned up at his girls school so it was set in a girls school so it's got it's like a prototype of suspiria uh, and stuff like that uh okay. where he's sort of uh, trying to exercise this woman who i remember coming across as a bit like a sort of a bit like a weird junkie is how she acts she's sort of very pow they've made her up to be very pow and sweaty when she's like and she she just acts in a slightly odd way. It's not full on, you know, Linda Blair and sort of possessed, but it's kind of, there's something not quite right about it, which was a really nice idea that allowed it to be on TV, but still made it quite effective. And I do remember there's a, a the one bit I definitely clearly remember. There's a bit where he's exercising. I think they're in a school gym or something. Uh, and she vomits, but, you know, this is TV. She can't grommet green pea soup over him and it's kind of water mixed with tacks or you know thumbnails coming out Ugh. and hitting him uh, <laughs> uh you know it's kind of an odd idea so obviously they have to get around some of the more gross things that could happen in possession stuff but it was kind of an interesting thing and he was good he was he was really good in it and i remember him quite distinctly but i'm not quite i know he's been in other tv early 70s tv um and i think he may have been a lead in another show i don't know I certainly, I remember when I saw it, I assumed he was a fa relatively famous actor because he had a lot of presence, you know. I just assumed he was an actor I didn't know, but he was, a, you know, he was famous in American TV because he was so good. So, good film. Unfortunately, it's not easy to track down. Um, you can, There are sort of sites that sort of um, stream it, um, but it's not easy to track down, which is a shame. Shame. Sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's worth seeing. Yeah, and if you're if you're interested, Anthony could probably uh, tell you where he found it. it. Unfortunately, it's not on YouTube. It seems prime YouTube material. This kind yeah, of film, it does. but unfortunately, it's not on YouTube, which is a shame. 
but uh, it, you can see it. It's one of those films you can only see by sitting at your computer. I hate sitting at a computer and watching films. I yeah. always try and uh, get something I can actually watch somewhere else um, if I can. Well, now I think it's time to move on to our big film today, and that's Lamberto Bava's Demons from 1985. And produced on a budget of 1.8 million US dollars, Demons was written by Dario Argento, who you mentioned earlier. Uh, director Lamberto Bava, Franco Farini, and Dardano Sacchetti. And Argento said that writing the first film was actually very easy, using a lot of improvisation that Lamberto greatly enjoyed to do. Uh, he noted that writing Demons 2 was much harder. While the writing was very easy, Argento, Argento noted that on set, director Lamberto Bava was very quote-unquote severe with everybody very determined and focused and wanting everything a certain way but argento really liked that about him he even said that lamberto's father famed Itali italian director mario bava was far more far more easygoing on set the film was released uh, in italy on october 4th 1985 but didn't see its way to american screens until the following year and that's thanks to distributor Ascot Films. Ascot Films was a small independent film company that only released three films in, in its entire lifetime. And that's Demons, A Blade in the Dark, and The Check is in the Mail. And the company is no longer in existence today. The film was released unrated across theater screens and drive-in screens in the U.S. on May 30th, 1986. And if you think that 1986 was a later time to get that out, that's a whole nother year. They, in Germany, they released, I think, 19... It was either 86 or 87. And actually, we have a segment from Dia to give us more insight on the release of Demons 1 and 2 in this week's A Very German Point of View. So, Dia, take it away. Hi listeners, hi team. Uh, this time around I will tell you about the story how Demons 1 and Demons 2 arrived in Germany. The movies were shot in 1985-1986 and the first uh, release over here was in July 1987. So of course we already had seen the movies uh, before this. For us, a new and interesting genre movie always meant we had to drive at least 300 kilometers if we want to see it on a screen and half of the distance if we thought it was okay just to check it out on tape. Most of the important releases we watched at the festival for science fiction, horror and thriller in Brussels, Belgium, which ran each year in the two last weeks of March and presented about 50 movies, mostly in European and uh, world premieres. There we had the chance to visit both demon movies on the big screen. Of course, we liked them for what they are. Nice little effects-loaded splatter movies without any deeper meaning. Especially part one we loved, just because all exterior shots were made in Germany. In a time when most horror movies played it safe and formulaic, Mario Bava's son at least gave us hope for the European genre cinema. So when a German theatrical release was announced, we almost ignored it totally, because we had seen and mostly owned the movie already. 
The pure coincidence was responsible for our discovery that something went really, really wrong with the demons over here in Germany. It was one of those days when a few new fans joined our group whose influences stem from just the German releases. One of them was salivating over an old issue of Fangoria with an article about demons and brought up the usual. This wasn't in the movie at all. Was this cut? We had discovered the backburster and so we were very sure it had been cut. But just a few seconds later he asked, what about all those cinema scenes? None of those were in the movie at all. Now that made my ears tingle and really over here in Germany the distributors not only had cut the movie for about 9 minutes, they really had released Demons 2 as Demons 1. The original Demons was released a year later as Demons 2 and strangely enough only cut for about 40 seconds, mostly in the aforementioned Black Bruster scene. So over here Demons is Demons 2 and vice versa. Of course, there's no real reason for this. But hey, that's one of the problems you have to live with when you're a German. That's all I can say about the movie. Sadly, they didn't start a new Italian horror cycle, which could have helped the Italian cinema at all, which is now in no way any important. So lean back and have fun with the rest of the show. Next week I will join the panel again, when we will discuss the birth of the horror genre, which started in a country where it now gets tortured and butchered with every new release. Auf Wiedersehen. Thank you, Dio, for another really cool segment. Yeah, I always learn something new when I listen to Dio's segments. Uh, it's kind of interesting that, uh, funnily enough, the German way of doing things, you know, having the second one first actually right. felt appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the second, the first one is a better, improved version of the other, if you, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Two set feels like a more primitive version of one. It really does. It, there's, there's something about it there's something off about it where it really does. I mean, it's obviously a sequel, but there's just something about it that doesn't, there's not the same kind of soul to it, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's more a side call, isn't it? It's more a side call than the sequel or one in front of the other. Uh, well, uh, should we uh, talk about two at, at the end? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. Yeah. We'll bring it up after our readings yeah, and stuff yeah. or before or whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, now to get into the actual plot of the film, after a ride on the subway, a university student, Cheryl, gets off at her stop in the deserted subway station and is 
pursued by a mysterious masked man who's got like this weird metal almost robot looking face and rather than attacking her the man offers her tickets to a free screening at the metropole an isolated and recently renovated local cinema and by the way just remember uh guys this is a movie so if somebody is following you in an alleyway he's not there to give you movie tickets he's probably there to attack you so you should run that's the (laughs) right decision well, Cheryl talks to her friend Kathy into going with her, and they end up skipping class to go see the film. At the crowded theater, they meet two preppy college boys, uh, George and Ken, who take an immediate liking to them. It's here that we are introduced to some of the other moviegoers, such as Liz, a young woman attending the film with her blind father, Werner, or Werner. Uh, t- uh, Tony, a pimp attending the screening with two of his prostitutes, Rosemary and Carmen. There's some kind of madman loose in here. A young couple, Hannah and Tommy, and many more audience members that are honestly just eventual demon food. Cliched uh, audience members, it's probably worth saying. Right, oh, extremely. Every kind of <laughs> horror characteristic beat is in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say they're very, they are very, I mean, it's Italian. They're a very smart audience. For, you know, good clothes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Especially Tony, his suit, his white uh, suit is yeah. awesome. I've got a lot to say about Tony. <laughs> Who is actually? I can see you had the same suit. <laughs> <laughs> I want that suit. I'm thinking of growing my. Uh, I've got a beard. I'm thinking of shaving it so it looks more like Tony's. <laughs> He's actually credited as his character isn't in the credits as Tony. It's Tony the Pimp. That's yes. his whole character so that's name. What I was which I he love. is Tony the Pimp. I think of him as Tony the Pimp. Yeah, definitely. Son of a bitch! Shit! Right. <laughs> well, Rosemary, one of Tony's prostitutes, uh, plays with a silver demon mask on display in the theater lobby. Uh, before putting it back, the mask cuts her, leaving a small wound on her cheek. After getting settled down in the theater, the film starts up. The film is a horror movie which features a lookalike of the mask from the lobby. It is about four teenagers who discover an old tomb and dig up the grave of a 16th century fortune teller named Nostradamus. When the teenagers dig up Nostradamus's coffin, they find no body, just an old book and a mask identical to the strange mask in the foyer. When one of the characters puts the mask on, he's scratched by it just like Rosemary was by its doppelganger. A moment later, he turns evil and slaughters his friends with a knife. Now, back in the theater... Rosemary's cup begins to bleed again, and she runs to the bathroom to fix it up, but her cut bursts a grotesque pus, thus transforming her into a fierce zombie-like demon, like the one seen in the film. And the other prostitute, Carmen, goes to check on Rosemary. She finds her in the bathroom where Rosemary attacks her. Now, what did you guys think about the demon transformations in the film? I mean, I I thought they were awesome. They were really good fun really grotesque and uh yeah, oh, yeah. pus spurting everywhere and I, I thought the um the the sort of practical makeup effects were 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 really good yeah i agree i thought one of the fun most things about this film was uh was that kind of thing the, the transformations and, and and the action i mean there wasn't much in the way of character development there was a bit but but it was really the transformations that and and the sheer glee with how it all sort of kicked off uh, made it a lot of fun. Yeah, it seems like... I've watched the film like three times in the past month, and just every single time, the the, the effects just just gross me out. They make me cringe and react the same way each time. 
which bit makes you cringe the most? Do you think which which effect? Oh, probably when uh when the blind guy with the when he gets his eyes clawed out. Oh my yeah, God. I was gonna say something else, but now you said that. Yeah, yeah, is that one? <laughs> oh yeah, what was yours that you're gonna say? I was gonna say that anything with the teeth. The whole, you know, t- I thought the teeth being yeah, pushed out the by teeth other teeth out. was kind yeah. of right. cool, actually. I think the um, scalp ripping was pretty gross as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I almost said that first too. That's a really good one. Um. Yeah. It, why did that woman just randomly walk into that side room and then just stand there with the door open, look, looking around like she just <laughs> she was doing herself no favors? Don't know. Right. Yeah, she, was, she, she thought a lot that of she random outsmarted. Stuff. Yeah. She <laughs> thought she was a smart one. It's like, oh, I found this way out, and then she just gets totally just fucked. <laughs> yep. Well, bloody and scratched, Carmen stumbles through the building, screaming for help until she finally ends up behind the theater screen. She rips through the uh, she rips through the screen and transforms into a zombie in front of the whole audience. And it's important to note that during all of this, a lot of the stuff that's happening on screen is very much reflective of what we see going on in real life and in the theater. Uh, kind of similar to if anybody has seen, I think it was a movie I talked about on here called The Final Girls. Kind of where in the beginning of that, where you see a lot of this stuff in the movie screen happening to stuff in the theater. Uh, it, it's very similar to that. Yeah, even much so that uh, where she, where Carmen rips through the screen, I think in the movie somebody's like cutting through a tent or the side of a tent and she goes right through the rip. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it's cool. Remember yeah. correctly? Yeah. Well, this is where chaos really... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think that was one of the really clever things about them, particularly the first part of the film, is, is all the kind of mirroring that's going on between what's happening in, in real life in the movie and in the movie within the movie. Um, I, I found that really clever. I really like that bit. It's, I, I, it did feel like the movie was kind of... There was kind of two parts to the movie, very distinct parts. The beginning yeah, with really, all the mirroring and then, and then the second part, yeah. which is just where it all goes crazy and yeah. Uh, while we're on the first part, I have to say the music is awesome. Absolutely so awesome. The, the opening credits, I love that theme. Yeah, that is a great... I've got to get that from my phone. That's a good idea. <laughs> Side yeah, by plus, side would go west. Oh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, go west and um, um, Billy, uh, Billy Idol as well. Yeah. That was oh, awesome. Billy Idol. And Rick Springfield. <laughs> I think Motley Crue. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Motley Crue, yeah. It's Saxon. a very reactive film, even if, like, you know, you're either the kind of bopping along to the music or, like, you know, like, so you're cringing. I find, you know, you're kind of making sounds as you're watching it. So it's a really fun watch. Exactly. That's why watching it, I was thinking it would be a really fun double build to do this and Return of the Living Dead, only because yes. I feel like they really, they're both rock and roll zombie movies. And I think yeah. they're really fueled by their soundtrack and they're just fun movies. I, I really kept thinking about that the whole time. That's a good comparison. Yeah, that, that would is, be a yeah. good matchup. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the, the, the punks and uh, yeah, all the, all the crazy young people getting crazy. <laughs> Right, exactly. Young people who are about 30. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, the audience members all race for exits as the demons pick them off one by one, but it's obvious that they have been trapped here. They soon come to the conclusion that the film is to blame for all the chaos. All the exit, all the doors are bricked off and everything, and the remaining survivors break into the projection booth to destroy the film reel, or they discover that nobody else is in there, that it, it's been a reel that's been set up to work on its own. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, they're lucky that Tony the Pimp's there to sort of take charge. And that's true. Oh, out, yeah, I love it. Yeah, like the girl's like, oh, we can go in through the vent, and he's like, no need, and he just busts down the door. <laughs> <laughs> what are you waiting for? Run! I should imagine Mark doing the next podcast wearing Tony the Pimp suit, wearing a Dennis Hop hat as well. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've already got the hat. Yeah, I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> if I had that hat, I'd never take it off. I'd sleep with. I'd sleep in the hat. I'd shower in it and everything. <laughs> <laughs> the showers just would not work, though. Would no chance. After this, we then cut away from the cast to outside of the theater, uh, where four punks are doing uh, coke in their car. We cut to them a few times throughout, but they they more come into play later on in the film. And it's it's important to note that they're uh, snorting coke through a straw because their cocaine is in a coke can. can. What do, I was thinking, what do you think Coca Cola's lawyers <laughs> would have made of that? <laughs> it was because the first time I saw it, I thought. Are they sniffing, you know, Coke, Coca Cola? Yeah, I thought the same thing. It's like, oh, that'd be horrible. But <laughs> um, uh, is this also when they have that bizarre scene where the cocaine goes all over the girl, or is that? Yeah, are we yeah, getting to that? One of them gets a razor blade out and yeah. starts scraping her breasts off her boobs. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. which is. A bizarre scene. I mean, it was obviously just put in for titillation, but uh, it it was a it's nothing to do with anything. Punk thing, a bit bizarre. To be honest, they were a bit <laughs> yeah, of a filler. It really, was really. just kind of there, exa- yeah, exactly, just there to fill time. Yeah, their car was pretty bad as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's important to note that uh, I think throughout the whole film, a lot of the dubbing is not really great. Uh, the audio over the people talking and the po- the four punks in the car, their dubbing is particularly really bad and just off. Mm. Like somebody will stop talking for five minutes and the voiceover will still keep going. <laughs> like go do a, like a whole monologue and the guy's done talking. There was, uh, um, the, I don't think it was in the car, but there was definitely scenes where someone was talking and their mouth wasn't moving uh, a few times. There was you a can bit definitely that. tell when the actor is an English actor and when they're an Italian actor or German actor. Mm, yes. Oh, yeah. That's that that much is clear. Yeah, that's common with Italian f- yeah. filmmaking, isn't it? They yeah. don't care about sound when they're actually filming. Well, that's you know, part of the charm of it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and so, they they always overdub, always. Well, back in the theater, the survivors have barricaded themselves in the upper balcony. This only works for a short while until chaos once again breaks out and demons infect even more survivors. Uh, the attendees frantically continue their search for an exit, only running into dead ends. They ain't gonna get me. That's for sure. And after a run-in with the cops, the four cokehead punks find their way into the theater due to a door mysteriously opening. Of course, the cops themselves become demon food. And the punks also become very familiar with the demons very quickly. Um, before we get on much further, there was a few things still at the beginning of the film I just wanted to sort of comment on. Um, of course. The diversity of the audience was kind of interesting, and there wasn't that many. I also think the um, when I first saw the film, I thought the blind guy 
was with like a young wife, but it's his daughter, isn't it? I think. Uh, but the, in the right, but I felt the same as you. She knows that guy that turns up. I presume I couldn't quite. Like, you know, <laughs> I the, don't know what any of that was about. So. I, I like the, the the guy getting the most action in this. There is is like a sort of pudgy bald guy. <laughs> With, yeah. With yeah, a quite attractive young lady. <laughs> it I seemed just like that they kind of she chooses to kind of go out. That's you know a night out at the cinema where she can then go and do that. So uh, that's a regular thing yeah. for them. Yeah, it could that's be. That's how I kind of read uh, it. I yeah. also like the you know the two girls and the two guys. The fact that one of the girls is like holding on tight to the guy. Uh, and now, if that had been me when I was a young man, and it wasn't a great horror film at that point. I would have been well happy, <laughs> but he looked terrified. <laughs> as well. It's like, what's wrong with this man? The two girls were sat together, and then the two boys sat next to them, and then one of the guys was next to the other girl. So I, I, unless I completely missed him going walking around or moving yeah, around. He did, well, yeah, he did move. Yeah, around. he walks. In oh, front okay, of him and goes over there. It's when she says that she's really scared, or she's like, "If I have a heart attack, I blame you." And then he. Sees it as his in, as any <laughs> yeah. boy would, and he goes over there and says, "Hey, ah, <laughs> uh, that was that was kind of fun. I kind of liked the whole audit. There was enough there for us to identify the sort of groups. I think that was kind of cool. There was the the young couple was kind of cool. I think yeah, did she... you see who the girl was? It was um, yeah. Gento's other daughter, Fior. Yes. Ah, uh, okay. She kind of looked familiar, but I couldn't place her. Uh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I think she's older um, than Asia because Asia's quite young in, in Dean's yeah. too, isn't she? Right. She's been in a few of his other ones. I think she was in the card player. Dragon oh, okay. too, right? Um, Fior, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure if she's in that one. Yeah, but I, I did like all those groups. I, you know, my favourite was definitely Tony the Pimp, actually. But of course, uh, yeah. I kind and the of guy who was really angry that people oh, were making noise guy. in a horror film, like it was a really, you know, arty. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> He'd taken his wife there for her anniversary, hadn't he? A free ticket. Yeah, yeah telling us to shut And up. he was saying, "What more do you want?" <laughs> <laughs> did you notice fun. how the um the asherette was just just randomly wandering around shining the torch at people <laughs> I kept throughout, throughout the middle of the performance yeah, yeah 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 i did actually I, I yeah she had that sort of otherworldly quality that sort of suggested she was in like you say in on it somehow or you know she had she had that scene it. at the beginning didn't she where she was kind of looking in the mirror and pulling her tights up and yeah it looked like she kind of was plotting something yeah, um, yeah. she and has no she, lines yeah, no, and then she just ends up being as scared and terrified as everybody else. Yeah, like. she goes around telling people to put the cigarettes out, yeah. yeah. She told Tony the pimp, but oh, of course, right. you know, Tony doesn't take that from us here. <laughs> After one last siege by the demons, our four main protagonists manage to find a way out of the screening room. They discover an air conditioning vent as a potential means of escape from the theater. Okay, and a warning before anybody who hasn't seen the movie, we're gonna get we are gonna get into spoilers as usual. So here's your last your last line of defense, a spoiler alert. Alrighty. This is also where Cheryl's friend Kathy turns into a demon, forcing Ken to kill her. And from Kathy's corpse unexplainably uh, emerges a whole new monstrosity uh, a true demon who like scratches Ken and turns him into a demon. But did you guys get the whole thing with the with the demon coming out of her corpse, I, I didn't understand what. 
uh, yeah, it was odd, wasn't it? The fact that a few, you know, we get these occasional something else emerging from 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 uh, one of the infected. Yeah, uh, you didn't really get that, but yeah, it was kind of cool though, wasn't it? It was, it was cool, yeah. Was and then we see yeah. more of that in uh, in Demons Two. I think we see a bit more of that. Oh, kind of I've thing got happening. a few things to say about that when we get to. <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before Ken can fully turn, he has George kill him with a katana from the theater lobby. Why and was there a samurai sword, like a real samurai sword? I was wondering the same thing. In the a lobby. motorbike with fuel in. Yes. Um, yeah. Health and safety. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, am, I am British, so that, you know, we kind of <laughs> like our health and safety. But, yeah. <laughs> Because they it was they were both with the mask, but the mask was in the movie. I don't remember them ever the having a samurai was, uh, sword. Oh, it was the bike in the movie. Yeah, I don't know about the sword, but definitely they were. Um, they turned up on motorbikes. Yeah, I don't remember the samurai fight from the from the no. movie. No. I may have just missed that. No, well, maybe it was in a bit we didn't see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it, it was cut. <laughs> to be fair, this movie doesn't um, doesn't really care too much about. Um, continuity and uh, and plot logic so. yeah. we'll, we'll forgive it that, I think. <laughs> right it'd be and really now, interesting to see somebody actually tackle the film within the film and kind of take that on and make it into a feature itself that would be cool yeah yeah let's do it i think yeah. i've seen a film just like that but i'm trying to remember what it is it was an italian film but it's not about cemeteries but i, I can't remember what it was that narrows it down yeah so in the cinema, only George and Cheryl remain affected. Using the display motorcycle and sword props in the foyer, they, in a really badass action scene, they ride through the auditorium slicing down many demons. And George, uh, George kills nearly all of them when suddenly a helicopter crashes through the roof. And am I the only one who gets like super giddy and excited whenever that whenever no. he gets on that motorcycle? <laughs> no. no, it's awesome. Um, I have to say, <laughs> oh, I think God. every time I watch this film, the bit with the helicopter, I always think, did I just miss a bit? And I rewind it again because <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out why a helicopter crashes through the roof. Uh, and of course, it's just this film. That's fine, you know. I always have a huge smile on my face when this when this scene happens. It's just absolutely crazy. I love it. And doesn't yeah, it? Like, doesn't um, George totally turns into Ash from Evil Dead? Yeah, at this point, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, love it. And so once this helicopter crashes through the roof, uh, George and Cheryl use an emergency grappling hook, and they use it to climb to the roof, where they are attacked by the mysterious man from the subway, who they kind of quickly are able to kill by impaling his head on an exposed bit of rebar. Like you kind of expect him to be like some kind of like big boss around this, but he's just kind of another pawn. They just kind of get him out of the way. Yeah, really it's quick. just some guy. I yeah, well, expect him to be like yeah, like the master demon or something. Did you, you know, not? Did you guys notice he's the guy from the film in a film who gets possessed by the demon uh, and stabs all his friends? That. It's yeah. the same actor. Really? Yep. Yep. Same. That actor. makes sense. Um, I did a little bit of research on it, and uh, wow. his name is... Oh, what's his name? Something Sophie? I, yeah, I, I can't remember his name, sorry. But he was the assistant director on this movie. Um, wow. And he also directed... What did he do? He directed the... The, th- the third Demons film. There's actually a third, third. one, apparently. Wow. Which is Black not Demons, I think. It's not called Demons 3. It's actually called The Church. 
Um, oh, or La Chiesa. That's really unusual that they didn't call it Demons 3. No, well, there is a Demons 3, but apparently that one was just just kind of trying to jump on the marketing. Um, right. The marketing well, that's, off, so. that's often the case with Italian films. You know, people yeah, just, yeah. just call something a sequel when it isn't at all. So and apparently this, this one called The Church sounds really interesting. And, um, yeah, it's, it doesn't follow on plot-wise, um, but it is supposed to be the kind of the third one. Um, in the series he also did oh there was one that he did oh he did um della morte dell'amore cemetery man i thought that was made quite a bit earlier i don't know i don't know when that one was done but i i I think 94 yeah yeah so i think he directed that one as well he Um, did and he also directed um the documentary dario argento's world of horror and stage fright he did that as well Yes, yes. Oh, did you really? stage fright? Yeah. Oh, that's a great one as well. So I think this whole kind of this whole little circle of um directors and they all they all kind of looked after each other. Um, you know, as we know, but Barba um kind of was apprenticed to Argento and um Michel Suave was apprenticed to Barba. So yeah, it's it's all kind of a little kind of in world um, mm. of Italian uh, and Asia I'm just reading up on it Asia Argento starred in the church ah right okay I haven't seen it but it, it sounds really interesting and I, I saw a couple of stills from it and it looks really um, really quite quite um, quite uh, visually impressive so. uh, there are a couple of other films that I've always wondered if they're, they're, they're part of the demons kind of catalogue of films there's one called night of the demons at which the front cover looks like a demon you know from this film mm. but i don't yeah. know do you guys know uh, i think that's I'm, a whole different thing okay, yeah. right. i know there's a load that are kind of associated but it might be in the way that halloween 3 is which is like kind of a marketing ploy but i know that uh, michelle Suave, savvy i don't know how you pronounce it but he also yeah. did the sect in 1991 which was demons 4 Ah, okay. I mean, wow. like the church as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay, right, sorry, off topic now. Bit. That was an interesting tidbit. I just had this whole Kaiser Sose moment. I did not even realize that that was the same guy who was in the movie. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to make, when I watch it again, I'll certainly better. You'll that in see mind. it straight away when yeah, you watch it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, after their whole run in with the, uh, the man with the metal face, the. Two climbed down to the street and discovered that the demonic infection is spread throughout Berlin. They are then chased by a horde of demons before being picked up by a jeep of well-armed survivors, <laughs> uh, a father and his two young children, and they make their escape. And now, as they drive out of the city to safety, and as the closing credits roll, and you, you think everything's okay, you think they made it out, Cheryl transforms into a demon. She is shot and killed by one of the other passengers, and falls out on the road, leaving George as the cinema's only survivor. And that concludes Demons. How, how did Berlin get overtaken by demons in about, about 30 minutes? That's what I, that's what I want to know. Well, it really it seemed like it had been like two days of chaos done in like an hour. It was like Armageddon, and yet yeah. Yeah, the whole city was on fire. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of these... It reminded me a bit of like the Resident Evil first film. It's just all this stuff's happened without us knowing about it. Yeah. And I guess that also explains why the helicopter came through the roof as well. Uh, you know, in retrospect, maybe. Yeah, because when the, um, the punks end up outside, the door opens, and I always took it that the cinema itself was the kind of power and because there was nobody running the projector or anything um and the door just opens by itself and then the blind 
man comes out and then he attacks the police officers as the punks go in. And I think from that, it just sweeps through yeah. the local area. That's I what have I a it. feeling at some point, someone says, and it might be Tony, it's not the film that's um, possessed, it's the, it's the movie theatre itself that's possessed. Yeah, I think that line came out. Yeah, Someone definitely but, says that. Um, yeah, it is interesting that this massive, beautiful building is like a new cinema. It's not new, but it's a refurbed cinema and it's kind of there. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. The thing is, you don't know from the film what on earth's going on in terms of spreading this out and, you know, if something's behind it or what. Uh, but it doesn't really matter, does it? It's, no. It's, no, not at all. It's a great film anyway. Um, in many respects, I think this is... It, to me, it's like a really 80s horror film. Not, I mean, you know, you can tell films from effects and stuff like that but it's just the whole vibe is really 80s really yeah. 80s oh yeah mark i wanted to ask um in the in the last episode you uh, when you were talking about onibaba you yeah. were talking about the mask yeah is this do you think this mask in this movie was influenced by the mask in onibaba no it doesn't look Bar? that similar or is it a bit or is it a bit different it looks quite a bit different i don't i don't think so what do you think rebecca well to be you know, to be fair, it does have the kind of exaggerated features. Obviously, it's more robotic, but it yeah. does have the, when I'm thinking about it now, the kind of prominent exaggerated features that the, the mask yeah. has, maybe. I think it, the mask in this reminded me more of a gargoyle, a traditional sort of um, European gargoyle. Yeah, definitely. They've got more like European influences, but it, it is kind of similar. Yeah, you could, you mean, could argue yeah, that it possibly. was. You know, there are lots of films where you know where masks are a central feature, and, and you know they're, they're often this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It didn't occur to me. I didn't think. Oh, that's like the one in Alibaba. No, not straight away. Yeah, just, right. just kind of thinking back. Yeah. Mm. So, do you guys want to do our final thoughts on the film and then do the Demon's Sue discussion? Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea. Alrighty, well, uh, I'll hand it off to uh, you, Matt, to start out the ratings. Well, I, well, as you can probably tell, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I do think you need to watch it with um, half of your brain switched off at least, because otherwise you'll just get, you'll just get really hung up on uh, on all the stupid things that happen. But it's got so many plus points in it, and I think that's 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 the thing for me is that barely barely a minute goes by where there's something really cool or really fun um, for you to enjoy. Um, you know, it's got Billy Idol in it. It's got a guy on a motorcycle with a samurai sword. Um, I I love the kind of whole '80s horror vibe. The hair, the clothes, the music, the the over the top practical effect. It's one of those movies that's um, it's kind of it's almost so bad that it's 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 really good in a way. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it and. Um, it's not a perfect movie, but I would. I think I would go for pure enjoyment. I'd go for an eight out of ten. All right. Well, uh, how about Becky? You want to go next? Yeah, I would also be at an eight. I think it's fantastic. It's a really fun film. It's very visceral. Um, it's very effective. Like I said, you know, you're cheering, you're cringing. Um, you, you know, you're very kind of responsive to what's going on. Um, the music, everything. Um, it's Italian gore at its best. Um, it's very kind of pop culture pulpy and um, the colouring and the lighting's fantastic when the demons all um, walk up the stairs and they're backlit I love that shot so much and their eyes are, are glowing um, but I also really like the tagline um, that 
when they're actually in the actual film within the film and they come across the tomb of Nostradamus supposedly and it says they will make cemeteries their cathedrals and the cities will be your tombs and I just thought that was really creepy um, and just kind of set everything off it's a bit off kilter altogether um, but it's just kind of a mishmash of things that work really well I think and you're always going to have a good time with it even if it's a little bit balmy alright awesome uh, so Mark do you want to go yeah sure uh, this is a really fun uh, though trashy sort of Italian horror that is full of pretty young things that I think a lot of the actors are picked for their looks rather than their acting talent uh, and there's pretty much no character development except for a couple of people however they're distinguished enough that we you know recognize subgroups within the, the audience and we sort of identify them uh distinctly there's some well basically whenever the action things start slacking a little they always throw something new in and it could be like a gang of punks uh, coke sniffing from a can of coke or sort of <laughs> scraping coke off of a lady's breast with a razor or you know samurai swords or a helicopter cra- you know there's there's always something there's always something it's good fun really like the score i thought it was a great score uh, whenever it, sometimes there was a discussion about 10 years ago where uh, i think it was when um oh what's the fi- what's the danny boyle film with the fast zombies um 2020. There was a discussion in that, and when the, the remake of Dawn of the Dead came out, people started talking about fast zombies versus slow zombies. Uh, and when that discussion started, I thought, well, Demons has already been out. I know they're not quite zombies, but you know, they were pretty fast and they were very yeah. similar. Uh, right. I think of Demons when I think of fast zom- zombies, as it were. And some of the special effects were fantastic. We've already t- talked about probably the most, cur- you know, the most cringy one is the you know fingers in the eye sockets of wriggling around kind of thing. Yeah. But there was also another one that made me cringe with you know a guy was wounded and there was like an open wound and they were still clawing inside the open wound, which was like <laughs> even grimmer. Uh, that kind of was what. It's a it's kind of a vacuous film, but it is a very fun, colourful film, uh, and I really quite enjoyed it. I like the music. I'd give it a seven out of ten. All right. Well, I really love this movie i i have to recognize the issues with it you know the lack of characterization and the bad dubbing but i mean i think as somebody said before i forget who but it's part of its charm i mean it's part of what makes it it this weird little 80s italian film i think it's endlessly entertaining i think it's got a pace that never stops i think it just keeps moving and moving that's why actually putting together the notes for today was difficult because i didn't know how to summarize the second half of the movie because it's just okay okay we're barricaded we're good no chaos breaks out again okay we're barricaded we're good no chaos again it just goes from big action attack from attack to attack to attack and i just think it's an absolute blast of a film i love it Uh, along with the soundtrack i think it's great i love listening to it every time uh, I I could wa- I've been watching it the past couple of days. I could watch it again tonight and still have as much fun with it. I I I flirted with giving it an eight out of ten, but I I think I'm gonna have to bump it up and give it a nine out of ten. I really wow. just adore this film. I really I mean it's just so made for me because as I I compared it to Return of the Living Dead earlier, which I absolutely love, and so that really kind of gave me a very similar feeling watching this. I I absolutely love it.
You ain't worth shit. And now, whereas I love Demons 1, I think we'll get into Demons 2 now, which, if you ask me, to, to make it frank, uh, this movie's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I lost interest way before the end, really, yeah, compared to Demons. However, I do, the whole rubber monster f- thing is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> you know the little monster that comes out the little demon kid uh, just oh cracks me up <laughs> and it's the bit I remember of this having said that I watched some of it and I thought there were some really good shots in it particularly when there were shots you know the first girl that gets infected she kind of reoccurs throughout and there's often scenes of her just kind of wailing with a weird background behind her and I thought they were really effective shots those ones that's the thing there are moments that there are work. definite moments of interest yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it just was, boring yeah it was there's a lot of um, white people dancing <laughs> oh god yeah. yes um i like the music i like the music uh but it kind of it did lose me well before the end i thought the pregnant lady was quite charismatic no I, I don't just mean attractive but she had a presence that worked quite well actually she was kind of she in a better film she'd she'd really stand out yeah i think it just it tries to i i, I said earlier that it doesn't have the feeling of the first one but in a lot of ways, it does try to kind of, say, mirror it, but it takes a lot of elements from the first film and tries to redo them again. Uh, something Tony. you very... <laughs> Yes, a lot of the same uh, actors are in this. Not yeah, all of them, Hank. a number Hank of them, yeah. One, isn't and it just never works for me. I mean, there was a point where I was like, God, this is boring, but at least it's almost over. And I checked the time, and I was only a half hour into the movie. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, there's a whole other hour to this left. This is ridiculous. I just... It does the cardinal sin of for, of me for a movie, especially compared to a movie that has such a really great pace, the first film. It's just dull. This movie is so boring. Oh, my God. It's so boring. This is this is cinematic. Um, what's the medication I'm thinking? It's, this is cinematic Xanax. It just like <laughs> it puts you right to sleep. Uh, I don't think it was that bad. I think the problem was the first film. It was like, oh, there's a slacking bit. Let's let's get a samurai sword in. There's a slacking bit. Let's drop a helicopter for the roof. Whereas in this film, it was like, oh, there's a slacking bit. Let's do the same stuff again. There's a slacking bit. Let's do the same stuff again. There's a slack bit. Let's do. You know, it's kind of it was that kind of problem, really, for me. It's really strange as well watching it back to back with demons, uh, with it having so many of the same actors in. Yeah, yes. it was odd. That that really kind of pulled me out as well, I think. And wasn't the music different in this in Demons Two? Wasn't it more, more heavy? More, metal. More, I have to comment on the apartment of uh, that couple. You know, the pre- the young couple with the the pregnant lady. That was a hell of an apartment. You know, they had neon signs on the wall. It's like wow, this is again. Right. It was kind of eighties. Like I, I haven't, didn't say it, but Demons to me is so eighties. It feels like the horror film equivalent of like Rocky Four or Scarface or something. Do you know what <laughs> That's I mean? That's a good it's, way of putting it. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> kind of so eighties. And Demons Two was kind of really eighties too, but it, you know, because oh, the rest of it way. was kind of boring. It kind right. of just doesn't stand up. Yeah, I really always kind of find that it gets mixed up in my head with um, Poltergeist. Three because that's set in an apartment complex as well. Maybe yeah. that's just me. The, but the premise of it is actually quite a solid one. You know, uh, it's a premise right. like from Shivers. Shivers had that premise, didn't it? Of being caught in an apartment. And and recent film I think was one called The Horde, a French 
sort oh, of. Oh, that's yeah, a great yeah. film. Which is a great film. Again, good. people caught in an apartment block. block but, you know, so I think the pre- premise is a solid one. In fact, more solid than the original film. But the original film, you know, amped up all the good things. And this one tones down all the good things uh, about the entire idea. So I think it's a good premise. Uh, but they mm. kind of didn't know what to do with it in places. There was lots of cool shots, but it didn't build to anything. Wasn't Aja Argento in this one? Yeah. yeah. She was the young girl the first in this, wasn't appearance. she? Could well be, yeah. She was quite young. Yeah. Was she the young girl? I'm trying to think where there was a young girl. Was that watching it on the watching the other f- Again, we yeah. had another film. She had a little which, brother. Right, yes. And he became the demon kid, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually quite like the film within a film in this more than the first film within a film, actually. I thought it was kind of cool what was going on with that. That kind of worked for me. I think because it was shorter. You know, we got on with it faster, maybe. Right. Um, yeah, I kind of... There was bits of it I liked, but it kind of did lose my interest. I think about an hour in, I was kind of... I think, I, you know, I'm just going to watch this till the end now, but it's a chore. I think it's you were just disappointed that... Is it Bobby Rhodes was not playing a pimp this time? Yeah. Well, I know I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of liked him as head of the bodybuilders and the whole body, the whole a guy running, guys running around in just shorts, all kind of oily. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> that was about what the one that was like the one redeeming thing of the film, which was ah oh, yeah, you know, there's certain films where it's like the one where this happens. This is uh, the one where bodybuilders fight demons. It's kind yeah. of, it's kind of cool. Yeah. But that An little rubber note, monster thing, though. Ah, oh, man. Argento himself actually said, I, was, uh, I watched an interview with him, and he was saying that the first, he even says the first film is it's much better, it's much more interesting, despite his daughter having a small role in the sequel. Uh, she, he, he still says, yeah, she's wonderful. If you see any interview where he talks about his daughter, yeah, you know, he, he loves his daughter and thinks she's the greatest actress in the world. He's like Francis Ford Coppola. But even he, even he was saying, no, this movie, the sequel does not work. It's, it's very, I think he used the word dull. Mm, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Now, are you guys, do you guys want any closing comments on Demons 2? Uh, yeah, I won't mind going first on this one. It's obviously nowhere near as good as the first one. Uh, it's, it's weird that they use some of the same cast. Mm-hmm. And those they use just are not distinguishable the 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 little groups weren't as distinguishable it was only really the couple that i kind of identified as a, as a sort of separate grouping um that was the worst birthday party of ever <laughs> obviously uh and the rubber monster was kind of entertaining but it was really good it was like an a, a, an outtake from ghoulies that you know, the ghoulies were were better little rubber models than this one. Uh, it was pretty terrible, but it was kind of fun. Uh, they were trying to riff in on all sorts. The acidic kind of blood was alien, and you know there was bits and bobs like that. Oh, that's but right. I, honestly, I, I lost interest well before the end. Uh, um, the bit I'll probably remember is the bodybuilders fighting demons uh, and the rubber monster, um, um, and I score it. I'm being generous here. I think five out of ten. Um, Becky, do you want to go next? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I think I'd agree with everything that Max says. Um, I think he had a really good potential um, premise, but it just doesn't quite deliver. I mean, you can have fun with it, um, but especially when you watch them both together, 
um, demons and then, you know, you, demons too, you can really see, you know, like you say, it just doesn't keep your attention after you've had such a good time with the first one. So I think I'd be at a five as well. All right, Matt, do you want to give your rating? Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same as everyone else, really. Um, yeah, I don't think I hated it quite as much as you did, Mike, but it, it did kind of lose my attention. So I would probably also go with a with a five out of ten. But I, but I am interested in seeing the so the so called third one um, called the church. Um, it does sound really interesting. It's something to do with a Gothic cathedral and trying to summon an ancient demon. Um, so yeah, that that looks kind of interesting. So I'm, I'm going to check that one out. Yeah, I'm interested too. And if they ever yeah. made a, another demons, I'd really like it to be a direct sequel from the first film. You know, yes. us find yeah. out who these survivors are and what they do. As a huge fan of the first film, I I really, really tried to like this movie as much as I did. Especially, uh, I was really excited to have it as a double feature and watch it back to back. But the movie is just boring, despite moments. And I, when I say moments, I mean small moments that do work. There are elements I like. I like the story. There's a lot of potential here, but I can't rate a film on potential. I have to rate it on what it is. And this movie is just complete, just... A, it's just a dull mess. When, Arge- when Argento says the movie was difficult writing, I can tell because it seems like they had just zero idea what to do or where they were going. It's aimless. And um, I know you guys were saying you'd be interested to see the sequels. And actually, to be honest, um, I don't. You can keep that shit away from me. I, <laughs> you can end this series right now. I don't want to see any more of these. It's done. Um, I'm going to give this a 3 out of 10, and I'm being pretty nice Ooh. about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, when I I posted about we were covering demons, uh, and we got quite a lot of feedback. In fact, I think we had the biggest reaction to any of our um, sort of upcoming episodes uh, that we have for demons. There's quite a lot, obviously, quite a bit of love for demons. Um, our first post uh, on this was Chris Downs. He and he said, "I love it. A good drenched blast with a great cheesy '80s metal soundtrack." It wasn't just '80s uh, metal, though, was it? Uh, it has some real shocks, and that scene on the cover really creeped me out when I was a kid. I'm also a real sucker for a downer ending too, with the demons having broken out of the theater. I actually like the sequel. That scene in the car park is ace. Actually, there there was a good scene where a woman has a daughter and she asked to be killed. That was kind of a cool scene. I'd forgotten that. But I would love to see a sequel where they carried on straight on from this one. They, uh, he echoed my thoughts there. Uh, and he also added, and that tagline is one of all, my all-time faves. It's right up there with man is the warmest place to hide for me. So he kind of <laughs> agrees with you, Rebecca. Yeah. I, I love that, um, the, the cover poster with the glowing eyes, uh, the demons coming up the stairs. That's one of the best bits in the movie. It's a cool I love shot. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool, with the yellow eyes and everything. Yeah. I love that. I wonder how they did that. They must have had to wear um, some kind of lenses in their eyes, maybe, for them to glow like that. Or would that, or would that have been done in post? No, that would be practical. It, it, it looked practical. Yeah, yeah. Did, I'm it? sure that was in camera. That we wouldn't yeah. have had the CGI for that. Yeah. thing anyway it was lights cgi lights is not easy anyway um the next one was does anyone want to take any of these i'm happy to read them all out but uh next one was from andrew rooney and um, he says this one is right up here up there for me a 1985 time capsule the good old days where you could smoke your ass off in a theater and snort <laughs> coke off your girl's breasts the italians don't good mind a days. bit of gore do they <laughs> Tony do, the, do you guys not do that anymore these days? Uh, 
Not, not so much. <laughs> not in America. I think that's a British thing. Yeah. <laughs> Watching Star Wars, Force Awakens, with a no, you might miss something. You and, ah, sure. <laughs> uh, and then he had. If I finishes with Tony the Pimp is one of the greatest character. Oh, sorry, I have to see more. Greatest characters set to screen. Yep, definitely. Tony the Pimp's a, the man. Wildly out there, overdubbing, motorcycles, helicopters, batshit crazy Italian, throw everything in the screen horror flick. Always love films set in a theatre. 11 out of 10. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Uh, and then, but no doubt, Chris Downs uh, has uh, posted a picture of the guy on the on the motorbike with his samurai sword saying, saying, hell yeah. Right. <laughs> um and then Andrew then goes on. He, he couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> My brain can hardly comprehend, comprehend that they packed all that into a film, let alone a low-budget one, unless I'm moulding two Italian flicks into one in my head. Non-stop fun. No, no, this is just the one film. Definitely. <laughs> and then he goes on again. He really loved this film, obviously. And that soundtrack, pretty sure they don't have the rights to those songs. Uh, maybe Andrew had been sniffing coke off his girl's breasts. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that, that was some of the feedback. That, so uh, um, Rick also left some feedback as well. Rick Powell. Oh, okay, go ahead. He just said, "I believe this is what put Lamberto Bava into the limelight. Demons Two was a letdown for me." So he agrees with us. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure when Lamberto. It could have. Yeah, I mean, I was. I don't I'm think my, it's his first film, but maybe it might have been his first big film. It's his greatest film, probably. Yeah. Actually, um, yeah, he did a lot of TV. In later life, mm. didn't he? So well, there wasn't an awful lot of there wasn't an awful lot of Italian cinema like this, you know, no. much after this point, was there? This is one of the sort of the last biggest uh, movies, I think. Yeah, um, no, no, definitely. There was none like it for sure. I can't yeah. think of any like it. Uh, well, it, it maybe because they were trying to become too sort of Americanized almost. Because Demons Two definitely feels a lot more Americanized than uh, than mm. Demons One. Mm. Um, yeah. So maybe they just became a little bit too normal. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Well, now that we're done with that, I know we have a podcast recommendation. Uh, no, I I just wanted to um, just say a little bit about the last horror cast. I I think I discovered them around about their fifth episode. Um, probably uh, probably somebody mentioned them on the Horror Etc. Facebook page. Um, I don't really remember remember where, but um, yeah, I happened to be on holiday at the time, so I I, I enjoyed kind of catching up with those episodes um, whilst chilling by the pool with a beer in one hand. Um, and uh, yeah, since then I've I've kind of I've I've been hooked to it. I've really enjoyed it and. Um, I think for me, it, it kind of filled a gap uh, that was left by the, the horror, etc. hiatus. Um, so, and, and although I'd really love um, Ted and Tony to come back, um, obviously completely understand that, that not everything in life lasts forever. So um, it's kind of positive to see that um, other podcasts are coming out of um, the, the horror, etc. fan base. Um, so obviously... The last horror cast is one, and um, and United Nations of Horror is another one. Um, I asked um, Scott how he would describe um, the last horror cast. So uh, this is what he said. He said, uh, we try to find films and themes that haven't been done to death by other podcasts. And while we don't always hit the mark, in our eyes, um, it at least exposes listeners to films that they may have ignored or overlooked. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good description, and I think that's part of the reason why I, I quite enjoy it, because they do talk about um, a lot of films that I'm um, 
I may have heard of them, but I may, may not have watched them yet. So they've covered things like with themes like supermarket terror with alien raiders and bait, things like trouble in the village with films like the Shrine and Wakewood. Um, they did a not quite Gremlins episode with ghoulies and critters. And this week's upcoming episode is about 70s satanic films. Um, oh, nice. Which is a, an awesome sub, sub-genre, I think. So mm. they're going to be talking about Messiah of Evil and the Devil's Reign. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, um, to that particular episode. And it's also, also worth mentioning that, um, that Dia, um, our lovely Dia, also does um, writing for them. He, he writes reviews for their site. So um, you should definitely awesome. check those and out. They're good, they are good they reviews. They are very good in-depth reviews from Dia. Yeah. So, um, um, and their most yeah. recent show also was about clowns. It uh, was. Um, yeah. So that's worth mentioning too. Horror clowns. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, and the, 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 the one of the things I really love about the last horror cast as well is, is the natural rapport that Scott and Doug have. They make a really good couple. So uh, yeah, you should definitely have a listen. Yeah, I quite I quite like it too. I re- I recommend giving it a listen too. Although Doug yeah. should stop giving Scott such a hard time. No. <laughs> <laughs> are they on iTunes? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, everybody is apart from us. Well, definitely go and check out. Uh, that was again the last horror cast. Uh, go to iTunes, check them out. They sound awesome. I also want to give a big thanks to everybody who sent in feedback. Uh, Rick, Andrew, Chris, everybody. I really great to see somebody uh, seeing some people comment on the film, especially so positively. I look forward to reading more feedback from everybody in the future, and. Look forward to next week. Uh, we'll be covering some early German cinema, including the films Gollum, Nosferatu, and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which are some, some films I really love. We would love to hear your thoughts on this film. Please email your messages in MP3 or WAV format to unitednationsofhorror at gmail.com. As always, we invite you to join us on the show. Just send us an email about a topic you'd be interested in or if you'd be interested in joining us on uh, next week's episode. Please check out our website for all the latest podcasts, articles, and reviews at unitednationsofhorror.wordpress.com. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group, www.facebook.com slash groups slash UN of Horror. Stop by, say hello, and come interact with many other horror movie fans thanks to becky matt mark and anthony and dia for uh pitching in and joining today i'm mike anarino and we'll see you next time here at the united nations of horror